makes it Just a little problem, uh, no clicker. So if somebody could help me out with that, that'd be great. Um, this is the sixth week of our Blueprint uh, series. Um, uh, Pastor Nick is taking a well-deserved break. One of the things I think it's, it's interesting to reflect on is um, I can tell you by experience that preaching like seven weeks in a row is really difficult work. And by my count, I think that's about where he's been. So he's in Colorado with some friends and uh, having a well-deserved break. So just pray for him uh, that he'd be refreshed and come back uh, ready to go. Um, so uh, Blueprint, where have we been? So I'll, you guys will just walk me through. Uh, week one, we talked about connecting with God and um, how that is the most vital thing that anyone can do. That the church, in fact, that's one of our, our main mission is to help people know Jesus Christ. Then week two, we talked about connecting with each other. That we recognize that the Christian walk is something that we don't do alone. And that's why we huddle here on Sunday. That's why we engage in small groups. In order to grow, we need the reinforcement of each other. Then we went to week three, and we talked about the core of what we believe, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and how a proper understanding of the gospel will allow us to, to go through difficult times like we're in right now in the country with hope. And so because we know Christ, because we have hope for eternity, we can deal with things like Ebola where we don't know what the outcome will be. We do know that there is a God who loves us. We do know his plan for the future. So we are prepared for the uncertainties of life. We understand our gospel. And then uh, we want to know the Bible. And so we talked a little bit earlier about the, the Sunday studies that will be starting next week opportunities to go deeper into the Word of God so that you can know the Word for yourself. Um, it's good to have pastors, but it's better to read and understand for yourself. Amen? Uh, next, so, so week four was to understand the Bible. Next, next slide. And then next, week five, serve the city. So, so yesterday, uh, one, one quick story on serve the city. So I was at Helping Hands Food Pantry, and that particular um, project was put together by two ladies, uh, Deb Little and Gwen Trader. Just one real quick story. Uh, when they were, when the ladies came early, there was a person in the community coming to get food like they normally would on Saturday morning. And we had a sign on the door saying we're closed because we were doing a whole bunch of cleaning and restocking and taking care of refrigerators. But anyway, Deb just let the woman come in and do her little shopping. And she decided to stay in half an hour and serve with us. And so the impact of us serving is that the people who are helped want to join in and serve. Amen? How we're witnesses in the world. And then, and then this week we're going to talk about reaching the world for Jesus Christ. So that's what I want to talk about today. Um, I want to talk about four things. Next slide. I want us to recognize that we've got a global call that God has commanded us to reach the world through evangelism and missions. That we have authority. Um, that God himself has said that we should do this work. He has, he has all power and he has invested in, uh, it in us. 
And not only did he give us authority, but he gave us power to go along with it. And so we recognize that every Christian has supernatural abilities that allow them to be involved in the work that the church does in reaching the world. And the, the fourth is that it's a great privilege to be in God's family, that he has appointed us and chosen us to the task. So these are the four things I want to focus on uh, today. Um, these reinforce, for those of you who are in small groups, this reinforces what Nick has already written about in Blueprint and what you'll hear in the small group ministries. That's intentional. We, we, we are thinking and seeing that repetition helps aid your learning and doing. All right, so the first one is our global call. Next slide. Um, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. The next slide is Acts 1 and 8, and it gives us, it reinforces the similar message. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. So what we want to recognize is that as a church, it's not enough for us individually to connect and grow and serve in Christ. That our call is to help others connect, grow, and serve in Christ. The first thing we want to talk about is that we've got this authority. Our, our God has, has commanded us, has given us the charge to go out and take this, the word to the world. And when we do this, we do it in two ways. The first is evangelism. This is when we take the gospel, the message of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and we take it locally. We, t we call that evangelism. But when we take this globally, we call this missions. So what I want to do this morning is I want to talk to you about the kinds of things that as a church we are doing actively now to evangelize. And then we're going to talk about what we're doing as a church in missions. And the reason we want to focus on that is we want to encourage everyone to recognize that you have a part and a role in this ministry. So here are some of the things that we're doing to, to evangelize. Um, you remember that earlier this year we talked to you about praying for two people in your center of influence. The reality is that the people who are most likely to come to Christ through the influence of the church are the people that we, do, that we work with and live with in our communities. It's going to be people that we know that see us, people that we individually invite to come into the fellowship, people that go to our colleges, our roommates. These are the folks that we want to be praying for and being intentional about asking them to come and join us at our churches come and join us in our small groups to learn more about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we ask you to pray for two people and then to invite them into our church. The second thing that we've done is we asked you in August to invite people to come to, to the Blueprint series. 
Now, I don't know what your experience has been, but I'll tell you what mine has been with Blueprint. Uh, I'm having the best Christian discussions I've ever had through the Blueprint series. And I think part of the reason is we're talking about fundamental things. I think part of the reason is that Nick wrote an excellent book. I'm continually amazed at how deep some of the fundamental things that he's covered have just bubbled up new things. So all of our discussions are going over. We're having to scale back in my particular small group to talk about things like how we can better be better connected to Christ, how we can connect others. So we're having more opportunity to grow in the Lord. So that's what we want for unbelievers at our church. We want to invite them in. We want them to get into our small groups. We want them to grow through the discussions that we have in, in our small groups so that they would then have the opportunity to accept Christ. Um, next slide, please. Andy Stanley says this, if you're interested in being a part of personal evangelism in a way that's not terribly threatening, let me commend to you two, two different techniques. Andy is the pastor of North Point Church in Atlanta, Georgia. He recommends a couple of things. He says, when you're talking to someone and they say to you, things are not going well, that it offers a great opportunity for you to invite them in. Yeah, how, how are things going? Well, you know, I'm, I'm really having a difficult time. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Won't you come to our church? Oftentimes, you'll find that we are a very encouraging place for people who are struggling. Somebody will pray for you even in the midst of the service. You can go forward and someone can pray for you that Sunday. Won't you come visit us at the church? One time, so the first time is things aren't going well. Second, here's the second time. I'm new to the area. When someone's new to the area, they want to get connected. One of the best places to get connected is the church. You're new to the area, why don't you come and visit us at the church? There's some wonderful people that would like to get to know you. I can invite you out after service for lunch. So we have these opportunities where you can, when people tell you real simple things, things aren't going well, I'm new to the area, that we can take advantage of to help accomplish God's mission, to all be a part of that. The next thing I want to talk a little bit about is why it is that we push real heavy on small groups. Very good. You ever been at a church where you come and you really don't get connected, you really just don't know anyone? There's music and there's preaching, but there's no real relationship. You come to church and you're just as lonely after a service as you were before. So we ask you to join in the small groups, one, to build community, a strong sense of spiritual friendships. And so at our small groups, we talk about Jesus. We talk about how it impacts our lives. It's one of the few places where you can go deep with people that you know about things of God and not just baseball or what your sports or school, whatever your interests are. You can go deep in, in God. So we want you to have community in your small groups. The second thing that we want to do in small groups is we want you to grow spiritually. We recognize that uh, understanding how I would apply the scripture, today, you know, I'll preach the word to you. Tomorrow, I'll go to my small group on Monday night, and the people in my small group are gonna preach the word to me. 
I'm going to find out how they're applying these, these uh, six principles to their lives. And it's going to have an impact on how I'll grow. That happens in a small group. We grow as a family together. Next, uh, we, we get involved in missions. We support, there are 30 High Point missionaries, people that we support. You're going to hear about those in a moment. And in our small groups, we pray for them. We lift them up. We get involved in their lives. We have correspondence. We are part of the global missions movement through a small group. I don't know if, if it's as true for you, but this is true for me. I feel like when I read the text in Scripture where it talks about that I'm supposed to take the gospel to the world, that it's impossible for me to do that as an individual person. And I think there's truth in that, that, that in and of myself, I can't take the gospel to, to Senegal and, and the DR. But us working together as a church are fully able to accomplish what God has for the church to take care of. So we come to our groups and we pray for our missionaries and we support them and we are part of God's global movement. And we pray for them, the last comment, we pray for our missionaries. Why? Because they're engaged in the struggle. Uh, they're, they're increasingly encountering all kinds of difficulties and oppositions. In some countries being killed. In our country, missionaries are um, on our college campuses increasingly having difficulty sharing their messages because of university policy. So we have to pray that God will still open doors so that our message can go forward, despite the opposition. So in small groups, it's almost designed to be a mini church. That in a small fellowship, you can love and serve and grow spiritually. So that's why we have such an a, a, a emphasis on small groups. So we evangelize in the church, and then we are part of missions. And that's our next subject, missions. All right, we are going to have a very short video about our current DR project, and here it is. or latrines are in very poor condition. Uh, they're lacking uh, decent housing. The community is very old and the houses are practically falling apart. Third is they have a medical clinic building, but 
but they have no equipment, no medical equipment to be able to operate. They have staff that could be there, but there's nothing, nothing for them to use in terms of equipment and supplies. So those are the three things that they really need the most. And uh, so we're seeking sponsors and churches to be able to come alongside and help in this community in these three ways. Hands of Hope is a nonprofit Christian organization dedicated to improving the lives of the people in impoverished communities in the Dominican Republic. We focus on physical and spiritual needs of children and adults, working with community and church leaders to address the specific needs of each community that we partner with. We need churches outside of the Dominican Republic to help develop church and community leaders and to increase children's educational opportunities to build the infrastructures and to address medical needs. Our website explains how this works in more detail. We have two men coming forward who work in our missions area. We have Rick Zenda, who is the coordinator for all of our short-term missions. And we have Lee Wanick, who is the chair of our global missions team. And I wanted them to give you uh, some insight into what's going on with our missions. Rick, tell us how people can get involved in this DR partnership. Well, first, I just want to do a little transition from that video and give you an update. Yep. Uh, you saw that empty clinic building. Well, when we uh, saw that, uh, God started to work on, on us through the Holy Spirit. He gave us that power that, mm -hmm. that Lloyd talked about. Uh, we came back to Madison. There's a big warehouse on the east side of Madison full of medical equipment that's collected from hospitals, clinics, uh, expired, outdated, things like that, but perfectly good. So uh, we went to work and coordinated through many people to try to get some of that over to the DR. And uh, I'm happy to say after volunteer hours from people from this church, from Crossroads Church in Madison, uh, that we put a load of equipment on a truck last week. It went to New Jersey, and it's on a ship as we speak, heading for the DR. And A chill went up my spine when uh, the worship team was singing about the oceans and the waves, and I'm seeing this ship going over to the TR, Amen. and uh, that clinic will be able to open in a few months when they get the equipment. So God is good all the time. Amen. So what's going on? Uh, from this church, uh, we've been sending teams over uh, to the DR for the last 15 years. Every year a team has gone over, worked with the community, a specific community, and uh, in, at the present time we are partnering with Hands of Hope and with Crossroads Church across town, small church. So together we're pooling our resources uh, to do what we can. Uh, it's a uh, holistic ministry, so it's working in spiritual and physical ways to try to make things better in this particular community. Uh, where we're working now is a, a community of about 15,000 people. It's a suburb of the capital, and uh, it's a very, very poor community. Uh, so just thinking about yesterday and all these people here going out and serving, uh, think of getting on an airplane going over to the Dominican, going to a much smaller community, and uh, serving for a week. 
doing what you did yesterday, basically, only doing it for a week. Uh, coordinated with the community leaders, with the church leaders, uh, working side by side to build houses, to install bathrooms in houses, uh, a vacation Bible school, uh, visit homes of families of kids that are supported by people in this church, um, um, educational opportunities, working with uh, medical people that go along to teach basic medical needs, and working with teens and things like uh, being safe, uh, some sexual education that they need. So lots of opportunities. Uh, the next trip is scheduled now for July 7th to the 14th. Um, we're going to be getting applications out, uh, be available a week from today here, if you're considering going. Uh, we'll choose a team in December, and uh, meetings will start to build the team uh, and do the planning and whatnot early next year. Uh, also, um, there's some discussion going on between the youth pastors of our church and Crossroads about a, a high school group going over and serving the following week, the 14th and the 21st. So we could have two teams going, spending two weeks in this community and uh, experiencing what it's like to serve in another country. Outstanding. So you can see there's two opportunities potentially for you to get involved in the DR and uh, Rick is your person to get in, in, in touch with short-term missionaries. Next we have Lee Wanick and Lee is going to give us some information on our global uh, missions project. So Lee, give us an update on you know, our global missions plan. And well, we have 32 missionaries and uh, as you can see from the graphic, uh, 16 of those serve in the U.S. and 16 serve overseas in foreign countries. And uh, so we've kept that balance uh, over the years. And uh, five of those 16 that are uh, overseas uh, and uh, here work with uh, international students. And uh, there, there are certain missions that we've worked with particularly. There's, there are many others. But dominantly, it's been uh, Campus Crusade and InterVarsity, Navigators, and Team. So that's our, um, our mission uh, structure of uh, who we're working with. We have seven missionaries that are in closed countries. They're, uh, they're folks that it's a little more sensitive to communicate with, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. You mentioned that we've got missionaries in the U.S and international yes. why why that emphasis for both parts well we have a uh, a commission to reach those people all over the world and these folks uh, share the gospel and uh, they share it directly uh, through evangelism and church planting and others are in more sensitive kinds of situations uh, and they share the gospel indirectly through business uh, through uh, various forms of media, through translation, uh, through uh, missionary kids' schools, leadership training. I worked in leadership training for many years and in holistic kinds of ministries. Uh, holistic ministries open up doors for us uh, as missionaries. Time to time, Lee, I'll hear from small group leaders and they'll tell me, how do I support a missionary in a closed country? Do you have any ideas that you can share? Well, in a closed country, we can communicate with them. We just have to be a little more careful. Um, and uh, we can uh, do emails back and forth. 
there are uh, what we call a closed country, by the way, is a country that does not allow foreign missionaries or restricts evangelism. Now, if you think about that strictly, there are some ways on our college campuses we're becoming closed. Um, so most countries that are closed are in Muslim lands. And uh, we have, as I mentioned before, seven missionaries in those closed countries. And you can communicate with them. Uh, in emails, you have to be a little careful uh, using uh, Christian jargon. And there are certain terms that may be sensitive that are easy to search. For example, if you talk about Muslim work, you might say M work. Or if you want to mention God, you might talk about our daddy. Uh, you could talk about the church as the family. Uh, and the key thing is follow the communication patterns uh, that your missionary uses. And to learn those patterns, you need to start communicating. And uh, just ask directly in your context what can be said, what can't be said. Um, so you can see we've got 32 missionaries across the globe, local and international, so that when you come to High Point and when you give, you should know that 10% of everything that goes into our general fund goes to these missions efforts. All right, why don't you give these gentlemen a round of applause. Thank you very much. Look, if I could just add one thing I forgot. Um, one of the classes on missions coming up November 16th, we'll be talking about short-term trips. And that's where we'll provide a lot more detail about this next trip to the DR. So if you're interested at all, uh, come, come Very good. One of the things that's interesting about High Point Church, of, of all the churches that I've been at, and there's probably been five or six churches that I've been members at, I've never seen a church with a stronger missions emphasis than here. Uh, I think that's something that we should continue to stoke and that we should continue to invest in individually and personally. If you've never done a short-term missions trip, pray about it. Uh, many people who do say it changes their, their life in terms of their perspective on what God can do through uh, a willing servant. Okay, so we talked about uh, the global call that we have. The next thing I want to talk about this morning is the authority that we have. The authority that we have to go forward. Our, our Savior has all authority. And, and we read Matthew 28, 18 and 20. But even from the Old Testament perspective, this authority um, has always been so many years before Christ came. God says this about his, his servant, the Messiah, Isaiah 4, 49 and 6. He says, it's too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. So here's the thing. We recognize that we're gonna have opposition by lesser authorities. It's happening perhaps even more so. It seems as though it's happening all over our country. Um, one of our members sent me a story about an ongoing issue in Houston where certain pastors who opposed uh, a public ordinance uh, relating to um, how bathrooms are used and whether transgender people can go to any bathroom. Um, and th so what, what the Houston has done is it subpoenaed the sermons of pastors who have opposed this. 
So I just want to say that, that, that the church is under uh, some attack. But here's the thing. Us being under attack should force us to be more intentional about what we're doing. It shouldn't cause us to, to shriek back. Because we recognize who our authority is, and we recognize that he's able to sustain us through difficult times. In fact, if we look at the book of Acts, we'll recognize that the church seemed to flourish most when it was under fire. So the church was in Judea and didn't get out of Samaria until Stephen, one of the deacons, preached the gospel to the, to the Jewish authorities. And after he was killed, then all of a sudden the church flourished across the globe. So we recognize that difficulties may mean that the gospel has more opportunities to flourish. So we look forward to that. We don't shriek back from um, opposition in relation to our authority. In fact, our, our Lord and Savior, even when he walked the earth, he was opposed. Matthew 21, 23. Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you this authority? So we recognize that from the very onset that the Lord Jesus was opposed. And so he reminds us that through opposition, he will be with us. That's why in this particular text, he's very careful in the commission to tell us that he will be with us through the end of the age. What that means is that the comforting influence of God the providence of God is going to carry us through opposition. Through the difficult times that we have sharing the gospel. If we are faithful to continue doing it, he promises that he's going to give us fruitfulness and he promises to give us protection. Now, what, does that mean that some people in the effort of doing evangelism won't die? No, it doesn't mean that. It does mean, though, that they, those who do will enter into glory and their labors will go toward the greater good of building God's kingdom. So we'll, we will have opposition, but God's grace will sustain us through the opposition. We have authority. Now with that authority comes ability. Um, um, my wife and I had our 20th anniversary, and one of the things we did, we took a bit of a risk, and we went out on a two-week vacation. And one of the reasons, and, and uh, my kids are 20 and 16, one, one of the reasons uh, we went at this time was, uh, for, for the first time in my life, I had enough vacation days to do it. The other thing was his 20-year anniversary, 25-year anniversary, that doesn't come very often. And the other, uh, only once, only once in a lifetime, 25 years. And um, the other is that my oldest son, I could trust him with the authority of taking care of the family. And so we left him at home and put him in charge for two weeks. Now Jason is 20, goes to school at Madison College. He's got a car and we left him some money. Uh, so we left him with the authority, but we also gave him the ability to take care of the job. So if, if Jason, his, Jared, his younger brother, had problems, he could call Jason and Jason could leave work or leave school and go take care of him. If there was a financial situation, they ran into a crisis, Jason had money to take care of the crisis. 
And so it is with our ability. What I like about the church is God has equipped us each individually with spiritual gifts so that we can accomplish his work. I like the way 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about this. It says this, it says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the, the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Oftentimes, when we think about evangelism at church, I'll hear a story like this. Um, I came to the church because I heard you had a good youth ministry. My kids came and we learned some things about the gospel that we didn't know, and we were inspired to go to church on Sunday. I came to church on Sunday and I heard Pastor Nick preach the gospel, and I began to wonder whether I knew, had a personal relationship with the Lord. Uh, I filled out a connection card and sent the connection card in to explore small groups. Somebody from the church contacted me about small group information, and I joined one. Uh, at, on Sundays, they talk about baptisms. I knew that I had never been baptized on my own confession of faith, and I felt like uh, something was missing, that I didn't have the kind of depth of connection that Pastor Nick was talking about on Sunday, so I went to go visit an elder to find out about what baptisms are about. Uh, I decided after talking to the elders that I should be baptized. I, made, I prayed, I made a decision, and I was baptized at the church. What I'm trying to suggest to you that, is that the way evangelism has always worked, the way the global mission has always worked, is the spiritual gifts of each individual Christian work in the church and lead to salvation. And so working together, if, if someone asked the question, well, how did this particular person come to faith? Was it, was it the pastor? Was it the elders? Was it the children's ministry? Was it the hospitality? And the answer would be yes. It was all of these things working together that brought salvation to the world. That's God's design. That's his design for the church. That's what he's talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So we have a God that has given us a call, but he's also given us authority and then equipped us with the abilities to get the job done. We have a wonderful savior. Last thing I wanna to talk to you about is that you've got a privilege. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.6 says this, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. One of the things that I like most about serving God is I get a chance to see God move in other people's lives. I get a chance to see people who are struggling become whole. I get a chance to see people who don't feel like they can minister, lead small groups. I get a chance to see people go on missions trips and have their lives changed. In fact, all of us have had this opportunity. If you're a Christian, if you've been in the church for any period of time, you've had a chance to see God work in the lives of other people and experience the joy. You've had a chance to see God do things in your life if you served him that amazed you, that you knew could only be done through him. 
There's a joy that comes in serving Jesus. It is an outstanding privilege. When the gospel was sharing, and if you read through the book of Acts, you'd be surprised how many times you see the disciples rejoicing through tribulation. Uh, even though apostles were being sometimes killed and oftentimes beaten in, in Paul's case, you see instances like this one where there's great rejoicing. Then Paul and Barnabas, this, they're in, 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 in Pisidian Antioch here, that's the, that's the context. Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, we had to speak the word of God to you first since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. We now turn to the Gentiles for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you, I have made us, you could say, a light for the Gentiles, that you may be, bring salvation to the ends of the earth. This is the ministry that we're involved in right now. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored, and the word of the Lord and all who appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jewish leaders incited the, the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. One of the things that we're gonna see next week is we're gonna see some, we're gonna hear some testimonies of people who are, have come to Christ. And we're gonna recognize that through all of our works, those of us who call Christ our Lord, those of us who call High Point home, those of us who invest our meager resources in the church, all of us are gonna be able to rejoice together in what God has done through our feeble efforts. We're gonna be able to have the same joy that these disciples experienced through the gospel being shared there and through their persecution, persecutions, they're gonna, we're gonna be able to experience that next week. So we have this great privilege to watch God work in our midst and change lives in our midst and provide not only provision for today, but provision for eternal life. And I just think that all of it, of our connecting and growing and serving, is worth it. That in the end, any of us who will give our lives to Jesus are not going to feel as if we were shorted. We're going to recognize the glory of serving God and the beauty, not only in real time in our lives now, but most certainly in eternal life.